This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to what most people think uh, breaking news. Obviously, having a few adverts here and there on the podcast enables me to drop in with the extra ones this week. And I've got to tell you, this week, if you wanted an on brand version, for this podcast, or for me, I am, I am recording this. Having done uh, one of the Jeremy Vine shows uh, on Friday morning, I booked myself into the Travelodge Farringdon, one of the better Travelodges, I'd say, underrated. And I've booked myself in there just for a couple of hours. Then I'm off to do another thing, but because I know, right. All I need, all I need to do this is a laptop and a microphone, and I'm looking out the window at those fucking idiots at the Crown Plaza over the road. I'm paying, what is it, 70 notes to be in there? They're what, what, 130? I don't know. I'm just speculating, but this is this is a solid hotel. So I'm coming to you from the bowels of. I mean, I, I, do you know what this this Farringdon one? I've I've, I've stayed here a lot actually. And all right, I'm good. I wasn't necessarily going to say this. This is the third time on the spin that I've had room 312. I think if you're getting the same room at a Travelodge, it's either shows that you've crossed some sort of threshold in terms of profile or that maybe your life is not going the way you'd hoped. But listen, it's the breaking news. And the reason I'm doing that is because I had a brilliant chat with Catherine Ryan. Thanks for all the positive feedback about this week. But loads of news broke straight after that. So it's kind of Trumpy won by a landslide in the first caucus. I want to speak about Trump and why I think it's definitely going to be Trump who wins against Biden. Um, There's also a lot of domestic politics to clear up. You know, there was the Rwanda vote, 30p Lee, Lee Anderson uh, resigning as deputy chairman, which did seem like a massive shock. And then it sort of transpired that the Tories have about six deputy chairmen. (laughs) You know, like when sport like global sports teams get too big and there's just like, you suddenly look at the entourage on the sideline, you know, like, like, like at the point where the England football team under Hoddle had Eileen Drury. You go, well, is there a faith coach? That seems a assistant faith coach, deputy faith coach. So, you know, it's been an interesting week for Sunak. Technically, uh, he's come out of it okay, but um, I think that they're right. I don't think it changes the fact that the toys are still way behind in the polls and nothing that he can seem to do We'll rectify that. But yeah, we'll speak about that. We'll be speak about Trump. But on the main podcast, I didn't mention any new patrons. So we've got a few this week. Remember, uh, if you are a patron, you get the podcast early, ad-free, and with bonus content for the main podcast. Um, but let's just go through the names here. Greg Campbell. Greg Campbell. Oh, I just had a horrible thought. I'm not sure I should say it, but <clears throat> okay. All right, you made me do it. Do you call your, your manly... <laughs> Campbell's soup. Do you call it Campbell's soup? 
when it comes out. I think you can connect the dots there. I don't need to put the words on it. So welcome, Greg Campbell, as a patron. We've got Mark Bulmer. Oh, my God, I'm going to go down the same road. Do you call it Bulmer's Cider? I mean, you just, Jeff, you're not retaining listenership with this kind of, this filth. Then we've also got uh, Peter Lee. So welcome, uh, chaps. There are a few more patrons uh, than that that have signed up this week, but I'll do those uh, in the middle of the show. We had quite a lot of interaction this week. Remember, if you want to contact the podcast, you can um, contact me on whatmostpeopleThinkUK at gmail.com. David Domain is our super patron, so he responded. Thank you for your email, by the way, David. There was loads of great stuff in there. The thing that I always have enjoyed, I get to read all of it, which is great, but the thing that I want to zero in uh, for the podcast is the, the weather. So as I'm talking, it's Friday today and it's still minus something, right? And then on everybody's weather app, it says that on Sunday it's somehow going to be 12 degrees. And I would say that there's a real plausibility issue with that because everyone I've spoken to has just said it almost contemptuously. Apparently it's going to be 12 degrees on by Sunday. Apparently it's going to be 12 degrees. It's like, you know weather, you know the phrase changes like the weather, Yeah. You know that phrase exists because weather can change quite dramatically, but we never really get our heads around it. And I'd spoke before Christmas about the fact that I couldn't chill beer outside, which to me was the first point where I thought, hey, maybe the climate crisis is real. Hey, my beers are coming in at room temperature. What WTF, God. But he says the reason the UK weather is variable with temperatures at winter and weather in general is because the UK is at the junction of contrasting air masses. See, that's what I was saying. I was saying the misses. It'll be the air masses. The attached explains all. All right, brilliant. Fuck, I haven't looked at that, but it, it, it explains all. Uh, I'd love to tell Greta Thunberg not to worry because, and this is really interesting, I think, a major volcanic eruption, which could happen anytime, fair point, uh, would eject enough aerosols into the upper atmosphere. And by that, like what we would call CFC, I don't think you mean like loads of little cans of Glade Mountain Fresh. Uh, it would eject enough aerosols into the upper atmosphere to drop average global temperatures a few degrees for years. She'd probably turn into a volcano herself upon hearing that. Yeah, I think she... Well, I mean, that's a really interesting point to make, isn't it? There's a lot of people. It's like the get the Tories out industry, the old GTTO guys. You do sometimes wonder, you know, once Labour get in, what are they going to do? And if the planet just stops heating up, <laughs> they would have to think that the world was going to end somehow, wouldn't they? So I think then they'd probably all move on to meteors coming from outer space. That would be the last game in town. they go, well, we, we definitely thought that would be it. So, But we have tracked a meteor that... Um, Look, if we don't all change our behaviours, it's going to hit the world in approximately 100,000 years. Also going to offer a, a right of reply thing here. So I took the piss on a previous podcast out of the Dear England play. Well, I wasn't, hopefully I wasn't mocking the whole play. It was just there was one scene that they shared and it had England footballers engaged in banter and it was, it was, it was a hard watch. Uh, but I got a message from Rachel and she says um, that she went to see the play and it was great. Okay, so I just want to say that I'm always cautious about ripping on performers, but, you know, there's probably a little bit of my show that you could you, you if you got a 42 second clip there and there was just I was just asking some guy what he did for a living and someone went is this it is this it for 80 minutes is it there we go is this what right wing comedy is is it punching down on a guy because he works in accounts yeah probably I mean that is that is a rule of comedy we can all say left right leave remain whatever but we all agree that if there's a geezer in accounts in the front row you have to rip the fuck out of him for the rest of the show so look dear England play bold accounts Rachel really enjoyed it and then on that note, 
Paul, friend of the show, Paul, points out, I made a point that banter is never done well on film, is it? It's a very, very hard thing to recreate. And also people never dance well to music in films or adverts. And Paul makes a really interesting point. Is the reason they're usually dancing in silence is because they're dancing to absolutely nothing because of clearance issues and negotiations. They never have any idea of what track will actually work. Sometimes they get the one they want or something very similar and the dancing works, but quite often they don't and it doesn't. Well, this absolutely clears it up. I think it's absolutely hilarious, the idea of people on set just being told, all right, we're good to go here. Everything's in place. Just remember, keep sharper. Remember, we, we need you to dance in a generic way, if that's okay. Something that would make as much sense uh, if we overlaid it with Shabaranks as it would if it was Taylor Swift. Okay, action. Okay, of course we're going to do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Thank you. Oh, so I broke the... Broke? What a wanker. Breaking the news. Do you know what I mean? Jesus Christ, Jeff. You're doing a podcast in a traveller's. Do you know what I mean? It's not Reuters. So on my uh, on my social media, I, I, broke, I can't think what to say. I announced that I've got a Radio 4 show that's been commissioned. My first ever series on Radio 4 called Jeff Norcott's Working Men's Club. So that is going to be something we're doing this year. I'm not sure when it'll come out, but it's going to be something funny. It's going to be about blokes' issues. As I said in the tweet, the channel... Originally, I pushed back and said, no women... But the channel were like, well, we've got to have women. And then, you know, being a working men's club, I immediately started talking like a northerner and went, no, we can't have any women. It'll ruin it. It'll ruin it. It'll be no fun. It'll be no fun anymore. We can't have them. It'll just be talking about feelings. Uh, but they've assured me that any women that do come will not be allowed to talk about feelings. So that we, we did reach a settlement on that. And, and I just thought it was a good point, actually, to do a bit of men's mental health. Um, I, I, yeah, I haven't mentioned it for a while. And this is always the way, isn't it, with blokes? And then... Just like the last week or so, I'm just getting angry. Like, I'm not an angry guy as well. It's not within my nature, so it's always notable when that happens. And I was also having, like, quite a few dreams, you know what I mean? Like, I was just... There's one of them where I was literally fighting with a tiger. And, of course, being a bloke, my ego meant that I was actually holding my own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had it in a headlock <laughs> at one point. And then there's another dream about a tooth falling out. Do you know what I mean? There's stuff going on. I, I think that... I'm not that kind of hippy-dippy, but I do think dreams are sometimes trying to tell you something. It's just not exactly clear what. And then, and then so I was just like walking around with it and then just being irritated by things that shouldn't irritate me. And I just said to my wife, I said, babe, I don't know what it is. I've just been feeling really just a bit angry last week. The moment, right? What is it called? I think there's a, there's a name for this principle. It's the paradox of acceptance, right? The moment you admit it, that it's happening, it immediately becomes less powerful. If you concede that you're feeling anxious, you feel less anxious, right? Now, I would always say, and I've always said this, is that the equation is slightly different for blokes. You know, if you're walking around a supermarket and you say, oh, babe, I just, I just need to have a sit down. I've come across all funny, you know. <laughs> it just, it's a harder, I'm just saying, it's a harder thing to do for blokes, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. And, and so rather than just stomping around your house with a bit of a face on, you could just say, babe, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I just feel a bit angry. And she might just go, oh, she'll be surprised. She'll go... Well, I mean, look, it depends what else is going on. My wife is very sympathetic. Your wife might be really busy. She, Oh, you're angry. <laughs> she might have loads of like, she might be caring for an older relative and toddlers. Oh, oh, you're angry, are you? Oh, Mr. Went away on business and sat in a fucking travel lodge, cracking one out for the last three days. So you do have to, <laughs> you do have to know the temperature of the water. But it's worth, it's worth checking, isn't it? Just to, just to say, oh, I'm feeling like this. Maybe it's not actually anger. Maybe it's something else. Maybe I'm resentful about something or sad about something but it's manifesting as anger and um let's talk about it and you know i mean always the thing is i noticed that 
I don't drink much in the evenings generally, but I poured myself. This for me is unusual. It's a particularly large glass of beer, right? It's just, I know I got onto a second one. And again, you know, you know, your missus tracks your behaviour. She's like, oh, a second beer. It's like that incredible bit in Airplane, isn't it, where the wife goes, oh, Jim never normally has a second coffee at home. Um, whereas if your wife pours another wine, you just think, well, we get, are we getting on it tonight? <laughs> um, the fuck you goes to Leo Varadka. I mean, this guy, obviously the the liberal press and, the, you know, the same people that were always giving essentially Nicola Sturgeon a free pass because, you know, just I just like her vibes, you know, she's a woman. She's a, there were a lot of things about Leo, you know, there were things to celebrate. Of course, I am a liberal, you know, you say, brilliant, he's of uh, Irish Indian descent, cracking, he's a gay man, brilliant, you know, all of that only matters if he does a good job, right? If he does a good job, none of that matters, but you go, all right, if, if the first person to have this role and do a good job comes from that heritage, great, but we really just need good people doing the job. But anyway, you know, he's all on the trendy issues, isn't he? He's always about being on the right side of history, but there was this... Um, He's come out and said, it seems, right, and I saw this in the Irish Independent, so it's coming from a fairly legitimate news source, that he sort of accepted that, that Taiwan is essentially part of China. He go, oh, right, well, just, uh, he said, we accept, oh, I've, got, I've got to look this up, hang about. Right, so I found it, and it's actually one of those things where, while I was searching, I was thinking, God, have I exaggerated this? But actually, it's exactly what I said. Uh, Leo Vradka says, we recognise China and that Taiwan is part of China. So <laughs> I don't know who he consulted on that. I don't know if he went to Parliament, but of course he's at Davos, you know. Who's at Davos this time? I know, I know Rishi, I know the Tories aren't, because let's be honest, they've got a fair bit going on at home. I know that Keir loved a bit of Davos last year, didn't they, when they said to him, you know, when he got back, just buzzing about Davos. He's probably even thinking about getting a holiday home there. You know when you've had a really good trip? You go, I think we should look here to get a holiday home there. You know, just makes sense, doesn't it, in the long run. Um... <laughs> Come back and they said to watch you prefer House of Commons or Davos. He went, Davos, bitch. So, yeah, Leo Varadka has accepted that the Taiwan is a part of China. Brilliant. Who needs to actually have a military campaign uh, when you've got somebody like Leo Varadka just spouting shit? What most people think. Okay, let's get on to first up a little roundup of UK politics before we get on to talking about Trump. Right, we use as a jumping-off point for this UK roundup is uh, is PMQs. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like to not watch it go out live, and I like to see the response on on Twitter, which is essentially essentially a lot of predominantly left-wing people saying that Starmer marmalised Sunak, schooled him, eviscerated him, literally broke him down by subatomic particle levels, and then reconstructed him as a fucking lampshade. You know. The hyperbole is, is ridiculous. But there was there was one joke that they particularly seemed to like that a lot of them were sharing was when Starmer, and I'll be honest, Starmer had the best of it and it was one of the better ones for him. He actually looked like a, a human being, which is uh, is progress. But he said something about the Tory party. He said, it's just, you know, it's hundreds of bald men fighting over a comb. And I thought, okay, the first up, that joke has been around, I'm pretty sure, since sort of like the... Roman era? I, th- I think so. I think genuinely it's been around that long, right? So he's using a pre-existing joke. He hasn't written a joke here. And so if you are going to use that, and everyone's acted like it's the greatest joke ever, like, oh, my God, what a slam. And all. The- I'd love to gig for the Labour MPs, man, because they were pissing themselves. It was, it was like they'd just seen fucking Richard Pryor in his pomp. But he didn't actually... You need to do a topper. If you're going to take the structure of a pre-existing joke, you need to add something to it. So you'd... 
he should have said something. And, and the worst thing is, it's not even a comb; it's a toothpick. You know, it just it needed something extra. So I thought that that got excessive returns. And then Rishi did a joke about prescribing this terrorist organisation. He sort of furthered this idea that the Tories are trying to set up, which is that Starmer is on the side of the gangs and the terrorists. And, you know, on the, the, the bad guys on the side of the bad guys. And he said, Rishi said, we send terrorists home and he invoices them or he sends them an invoice. And I thought, okay, it's kind of, it's quite populist stuff, isn't it? To align him with terrorists. But then I sort of thought this strategy that Starmer's had for a while, which is like, I've convicted terrorists. I've put down nonsense. I've, I've, (laughs) I've body slammed rapists. He's sort of taken a lot of credit four cases. Now, as I understand it, some cases he will have selected and said, I want to defend them. And some of them are a next cab off the rank thing. So you get your brief and it's part of the work that lawyers do, right? So when it comes down to the stuff that is is prescribed to you, right, there's got to be a rule. He can't take credit for putting away the bad guys, but then, you know, that have been handed to him, you know, cases that he has to take. And then not take responsibility for the other. It's sort of like you either take responsibility for all of it or none of it, if you know what I mean. Like I say, it's a slightly different case where he's sort of taken on a case. But he seems happy to to, to have that division. You know, when it comes to the post office, I don't know anything about it. But um, nonsense. Oh, fucking hate it, mate. And then Yvette Cooper. So we had this joke about the bald men fighting over a comb. And then Yvette Cooper had another sort of extended analogy where she was talking about James Secretary and his bill. And she was sort of talking about it as a tiny bill or a tiny paper covered by a fig leaf. And he sort of goes, sorry, you you saying he's got a small cock? Is that, is that the joke here? Your cock shaming James Cleverly, right? And the thing with James Cleverly is he strikes me as, a, you know, he, he's up for a laugh. He sort of played ball and he sort of said it's a massive paper or something like that then immediately social media goes oh oh, i see chloroform cleverly is up to it again with his with his gags his inappropriate gags i'm like whoa 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 whoa. who bought his cock into it in the first place yvette cooper was the one that was talking about james cleverly's cock albeit euphemistically is he not allowed to fight his corner she's trying to dick shame him here and i kind of I kind of thought they were it does speak to these double standards sometimes where there was once when um the daily mail it was an incredible shout. But when um, <laughs> when there was Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon were on the front page of the paper sitting side by side and they both had knee-length skirts on, they both, well, you know, they had a decent bit of leg ex- exposed. What would the male say? They were showing off, flaunting, right? And I think they said, forget Brexit, how about Legsit? Which, I mean, you know, pure 1970s stuff. And, and that genuinely isn't an appropriate way. I should stop laughing. But I, I, didn't, I didn't think at the time it was appropriate. But I do think that there needs to be... You know, there needs to be a standardised rule here. God forbid. Like if they sort of said, oh, you know, Penny Morden, you know, she's actually standing there acting like a dominatrix. Um, and that is, I just, I just pulled that out randomly. That is definitely, anyway, cracking on. So then we had uh, Rwanda. Rwanda, I mean, it's one of those, becoming one of those words, isn't it, on a lower level. You know, like people just got tired of hearing about Brexit. Rwanda, it's like one of those, oh, words. I'm going to talk about Rwanda. Now, in the event, it was the third reading of the bill in the Commons, and there was a lot of hype, but ultimately little rebellion. Obviously, Robert Jenrick, he stood his ground right to the end. It was one of about 10 rebels. I think the, the Tories won by a majority of 44 and they've got a working majority of 54, I think. So that's that's 10 rebels. Among them was, I think, Suella, no surprise there. And Robert Jenrick, who has anybody noticed that since he left the cabinet, seems to have got himself a little revenge bod. 
I know that I know that women sometimes, if they leave a guy, they will or get dumped, they will go through it. But I didn't think it happened in politics. But yeah, Jenrick. <laughs> I always think that just if you call him Jenrick, he just sounds like one of those really cool rappers that raps about conscious issues. Have I said this before? Like the latest album from Jenrick, winner of the Ivan Novello Award, Jenrick with his new album, Political Revenge Bod. But like we say, Thirty P Lee is gone, and you know what's funny? was funny because I heard an interview with Lee Anderson and he does shoot from the hip, right? It is that thing, and we'll come on to this with Trump, where you can't help but just not warm to like everything he thinks, but warm to someone who's just clearly saying whatever the fuck is in their head. So he was talking about going into the division lobby and they were saying, so Lee, did you vote? Did you vote against the government? He's like, no, I didn't in the end. I didn't. I couldn't. Uh, I got in there. I was in the, I was in the old lobby and all the Labour MPs, though, they were, they were jockeying and laughing and, Ah, just fucking, you know, he's essentially saying, I wanted to vote against this, but the moment I saw the other lot enjoying themselves, I said, fuck that. So he ended up abstaining. And, you know, is it like he just saw his career flash before him or is it just an emotional thing? I guess emotions have their place in politics. But uh, it it carries on. This is what I said at the beginning. It should have been a good week for Sunak, isn't it? There's two ways of looking at that. What happened this week? Because Sunak faces down the rebels in his own party and wins. That's the way you could look at it. But the way that the public, I suspect, will see it is that um, Sunak has another week trying to fucking... Let's carry on with the lazy metaphors, trying to herd cats, right? And this is what happens when the, the kind of narrative turns against you, is that is that even the good things can seem bad. It's like you lose all the 50-50 decisions with referees. And, and it comes down to, like, you know, and I'll come up to come back to this later in the show, is, like, where I'm at politically. Is I'm, I'm angry at the Tories for how easy they they make it for Labour. You know, somebody as, as mediocre as Starmer could be so far ahead in the polls. So much of it is, is because of, you know, Tory conduct and party management. And you just remember in 2019, you know, they won that majority. There was a chance... And in, in different ways, like, a lot of that political capital has been spent, right? And it means that Labour don't face scrutiny. And one thing I want either way, whether it's the Tories or Labour, is I want things scrutinised. Labour are very close to power, and yet they're still able to stand up there and sp- spend that non-DOM money. Have you noticed how many times they spent that? They were, they were asked about, I can't remember what it was this week, but it was the toothbrushing thing. They said, well, how much is this going to cost? Nine million quid. Uh, where's the money come from? Well, we're going we to tax the non-doms. You go, oh, right, because, um, <laughs> okay, just on the non-dom-ometer, the non-dometer, uh, that'll be the 15th time that you spend that. You know what it reminds me of, right? Because I personally think that if it does raise good money, it'll only raise it once. The super rich will just fuck off, essentially. That's what'll happen. It won't be an ongoing source of revenue in particular for the government. And it sort of reminds me of when a game show contestant overestimates what their win will buy them in the real world. They go, okay, love, just before we go for Billy's special prize here, what will you do with the money when you win it? Well, Jim, uh, we, uh, we'd like to get, uh, we'd like to have a wedding in Bahamas. We'd like to fly all my family out there. We'd like to get a new car. We'd like to get a house, a speed. All right, love, all right. It's not, it's not going to pay for all that. But anyway, all the best. Three, three darts. Uh, <laughs> and it feels like Labour are doing that. There's, we, it's, it's the non-doms. And just none of these journalists, well, very few to my mind, are, are saying... Yeah, you already said that. Any other ways of making money? Are you going to grow the economy? What a radical (laughs) new concept. Donald Trump has won his first big primary, and he he won big, at least as big as was expected. 
even bigger. I can't do an impression of him, which annoys me. And and what it's kind of exposed is that there'd been a bit of chitter chatter in the liberal mainstream press of like Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley is this candidate, and she's very conservative as well, by the way. But she's um. You know, she sounds nice, Nikki Haley. Nikki, Haley, do you know Nikki? I mean, Nikki and Haley just sound like two top girls that you knew at school. They both sound like really helpful, friendly women. <laughs> Nikki and Haley, it's a double ticket. She could be her own vice president. And I think that they were hoping that she did well because not not unreasonably, they're, they're worried about what Trump might unleash, what a second term of Trump might unleash. And But some of them took it so far. I was listening to the news agents. And like I say, I listen to that show, I enjoy it sometimes, it winds me up sometimes, like you guys will listen to this and hear things, but it's well produced and it gives you some insights on the other side. But one thing I completely thought they were deluded about was um, when they were saying, you know, I t- I t- I'll tell you who the uh, the Democrats, the Democrats are afraid of Nikki Haley. Oh, they're terrified of her because she could win. You go, hmm, terrified? I, I mean, Donald Trump, like one of the biggest plus points in politics is just people knowing who the fuck you are. And everybody in the world knows who Donald Trump is. So... I thought that there was an argument that on the left there was people kind of deluding themselves. I mean, who knows? There are a couple of other primaries that she might do well in. But I wonder, man, I wonder. And then on the on the right, the equivalent of that was this Ron DeSantis guy who was very much a product of the online right, you know. So people like stuff that he said on COVID and there's some other stances that he's taken on uh, kids' education in Florida. But he's a distant second. I think Trump, Trump won 50%. And then DeSantis was on about 20 and then Nikki Haley was on 19. So she was in third. And I just thought it just shows that, that, that despite everything we know about echo chambers, sometimes we all like heading down there, don't we? Just, uh, well, because it's warmer, isn't it? We know. <laughs> and sometimes we go even further. It's not just echo chambers. It's sort of like high-fiving in a hall of mirrors, isn't it? I have to say from a comedian's point of view, I mean, Trump winning. Look, people say it's good for comedy. It's not good for satire. It's certainly good for him just saying the occasional mad shit that makes you laugh despite yourself. It's worth looking up a couple of things. First up is him rocking up at the UFC, right? So he's in the middle of a court case, right? I mean, the front of this geezer. So he just rocks up at the UFC and he bowls out with Dana White, the head of the UFC, I think, and Tucker Carlson and Kid Rock. (laughs) And they bowl out and, and this is the thing. I just tried to be honest. It looked cool. It did look cool. They come out, American Badass was playing, which is a kid rock track. And as Joe Rogan said on his podcast, it looked like the right wing Avengers were coming out. Now, you know, it doesn't change the fact that I think Donald Trump is a is a prick. You know, I do think he's a prick. He's a, he's a bad man. But his instinct for what works with people is hard to knock. I mean, just coming out with kid rock in the middle of a, I mean, the. The front of it, the American bad. This is the problem. People just see, people think that he's facing down the establishment. It does seem like everything that the establishment does furthers that idea. But the, the thing that really sort of made me laugh as a pure piece of comedy was um, a phone call to Macron. Uh, sorry, it was, I think it was like a campaign speech, but he was talking about when he was president. He had a phone call with Macron. And of course, he does the usual stuff. He goes, Yeah, I was, I was on the phone to Macron. Good guy. Nice guy. Nice guy. I mean, that's one thing that's missed about him, actually, is that for all of his incendiary stuff and his, you know, his hateful stuff and the stuff where he stirs the racial pot quite self consciously, he also spends a lot of time saying people are nice guys and that he likes them and that he wanted to do deals. It's a, it's a weird sort of dichotomy. But he said that Macron, there was uh, the French were going to impose some sort of import tariff. And he says, and I heard about this and I rang him and I said, yo, Manu, Manu, 
And then he does this impression of Macron answering that's pure like L-O-L-O. He's like, oh, hello, Mr. Trump, hello. And all the crowd is like laughing. I'm thinking, this is this is not appropriate, but I'm still watching. And he's like, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I can slap on any terrace. Because if you do, I'll put it on champagne and cheese and all your stuff. And he said, and Macron, oh, he backed down and immediately removed the tariffs. Now, do I think that Donald Trump will win and could cause a world war? Yeah. Did I think that was funny? Also, yeah. And do I believe that that's what happened in the exchange with Macron? Yeah, 90% I do. You then start thinking about Biden, you know. Biden's got this uh, this mountain to climb. And for a man his age, hey, I mean, it's impossible not to do the old jokes, right? I did a joke on... Um, uh, news quiz, which is still available, by the way. Thanks for all the uh, positive comments. I said that it's the first presidential race where either of them could be assassinated by an icy pavement. Just old jokes. I'm doing ageist humour. The thing, the problem for Biden, right, is it's not just how old Biden is now, but what about in three years' time, right? So they, they vote him in in November. Okay, so that's going to go to 2028. He's going to be, like, fucking older than Yoda by that time. Three years in, you know, and I personally, it's just my view from what I've seen of family members, people around me, I believe that this man has dementia, right? A, a moderately advanced, a fair level, all right? So you're saying, well, how quickly will that deteriorate? And that is a real consideration, especially in an increasingly unpredictable world. And, you know, pundits here don't really empathise with what they're asking the American public to do, right? They sort of, you know, they know... Trump's legacy, all the charges that he faces, the misogyny, you know, the xenophobia, they know all of that. But they're also sort of missing out that when you're asking the public to vote, they're asking the public to to vote for an unpredictable narcissist like Trump, but also for a man who quite clearly has dementia. And bear in mind, they see a hell of a lot more of his senior moments, shall we say. And by the way, I'm not digging out, this is not digging out people who want dementia. What I mean is who have dementia rather, is that, is that if that was in your family, you would just, you'd think it was quite cruel in some ways, maybe, to put them in that position where they're likely to make more of those. I mean, in fact, you know, if that is the condition that he's got, he's actually doing a, a fairly good job of, of keeping a lid on it. But but there's evidence there. And and to ask the American public to, to vote, to consciously go in and say, that's your commander-in-chief, that's who's got the codes... And then, you know, they might say, well, you know, whisper, whisper, he's not really the one. Well, Kamala Harris, who's actually definitely doesn't have dementia, but it's just being weird anyway, right? And they go, well, it's not even a match. It's just an administration. All right, so now you're acknowledging the deep state. Like, there's no real there's no real good answer here. And and I think a lot of people, you know, Biden supporters and, and the people that particularly despise Trump are annoyed that Biden is being blamed for economic woes that he's got nothing to do with. It precedes him. But that that's happening here. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff you cannot deny that what we spent on COVID, right, and the inflation and what the impacts of the war in Ukraine have had an impact on our domestic economy. But, you know, the, the sitting government take the flack for that. That's part of being in power, you know. It's just like with the inflation figures this week, when they went down a lot, a lot of people go, well, it's, it's nothing to do with the government. And then they ticked up a little bit. They go, well, thank you very much, Rishi Sunak. It's just what happens, you know. So... It's a complicated position. The idea of another Trump presidency, it does worry me. I suppose for global security, as I've said before, having a guy there who people like Putin and Xi Ping, have I said that right? They just don't know what he's going to do. 
And that there's there's something to be said for that. But there's also a flip side to that of, yeah, foreign leaders don't know what he's going to do. But the truth is, nor does anyone else, right? So so that can play both ways. But, um, but yeah, I think at the very least, if people are angry at how high Trump is polling, you've got to think about the choice that's being put in front of the American people. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the show. Um, oh, I, I haven't done the other new patrons. Remember, if you become a patron, you get your name read out with some insults. Uh, Ian Wilson. Ian, you just sound like a golf correspondent for for Five Live. We go to Ian Wilson now at Carnoustie. Uh, Ian Wilson there on the fairway. Yeah, he just came up. Tiger, I mean, that, how poor is that? that? That's my most go-to golfer there. Oh, any other up-to-date references, Jeff? What about tennis? Yeah, Pete Sampras. Is it? What about Formula One? Well, Damon Hill has re- has broken the lap record here. Uh, we've also got Robert Black. Robert Black is a cool name. Robert Black. You sound like, you know, like uh, in those Fifty Shades of Grey thing, you sound like if Christian Grey was the really sexy one, Robert Black would be the guy hanging around for the, the scraps. <laughs> Just sitting there, just the world's most, the keenest wingman ever. And Richard Austin. Richard Austin. You two sound like three divorced men in their 50s going to Vegas. Ian Wilson, Robert Black and Richard Austin. You would crop up on Facebook and go, God, I didn't know you guys had kept in touch. And there you're doing the rock and roll thing, you know, like with the hands. Still got it. Crazy. You know, like a British version of The Hangover. But... You know, you don't wake up with Mike Tyson or, or a tiger. You just you just lost your passport. It's something, something very admin based. Um, just a reminder then, the tour starts next week. I'm back out. I first show Maidenhead on Friday is sold out. Kings Lynn has got first ever tour show in Kings Lynn has got tickets available. And then coming up in the first few weeks out of memory, I've got Stroud, Mansfield, Derby. I think uh, Tring is now sold out. I think Chorley's sold out. So if you are wanting, there's 40 dates in total. If you are wanting to come, get on Live Nation and uh, get your tickets just to make sure. And we do have quite a few reviews here. So, of course, if you leave me a five-star review on um, iTunes for what most people think, I will read it out. Here we go. Always interesting uh, and topical. That's good. Thank you. It's from GTC. Um, look forward to Wednesdays. Always listen whilst walking. The dog looks puzzled when I occasionally laugh out loud. That's always good, isn't it? Well, yeah, and you should look back puzzled when the dog occasionally just walks around for ages before taking a shit. What, what is there? Thought process there. This one is from Will. Will. He says, Jeff talks about the issues of the day with a weekly guest in a funny and relatable way. Worth listening to for the Keir Starmer impressions alone. Five stars. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, love it. Really interesting and funny at the same time. That's from Eva. I'm not pushing any party political down your throat. Ooh. And it makes you think. Okay. It's from Brighton Fella. I love Jeff and this podcast right from day one. I always save the listen for my drive to work at the start of the week. And this is from, oh, this is this is from Andrew's cabin crew, and he's made a suggestive comment towards me. Sir. So you can't object. Well, you can, if it's positive. Um, this is from Castle, I think. He calls himself Castle. I've been listening to what most people think since it started, and I'm still hooked. Well, thank you very much. I need to, I need to think of a name for the people who've been there since the beginning of there during the early lockdown years. Can you think of that? I don't know what it is. You know, like Cumber, uh, Cumber Band. What's his fucking name? Cumber Batch has the Cumber Bitches. What do we need for most? the most loyal, what most people think is? Uh, and this one, it, so this one is a five star from Max and Paddy, but he says that he wished that I would push back more. I sometimes get this. Let's have a look at what he's saying. So when Matt Green was on, uh, he was saying the current policy on immigration was right wing words to that effect well it's tricky isn't it i mean one thing i would say as a general point with guests 
is that, as I say, it, when it's just what two people, it has to be quite a cordial thing. So it's never going to be a, well, you're wrong there. It's not like a hard talk thing. On immigration, it's tricky because, yes, if you look at the numbers that have arrived, there's nothing right wing about 700,000 people. But if you look at Ru- the Rwanda policy, you know, some of the cancellations of of various rights that other countries do have, it would certainly seem to the right. I do think that once Labour get in, they'll probably do very similar stuff. But at this point, you've got Tory MPs that are who think it's too right-wing and they're Conservative MPs. There was a couple of people that said that Matt said that the party had become really right-wing. I'd literally said to him, no, well, you know, um, the state has got bigger, taxes have gone up. So I did push on, push back on the general sense that the Tory party had become more right-wing. But I think he said something about... Um, Conservative Party members. I maybe should have said something about so fair point. But my God, when I have a centre-left person called Matt on the show, there's always fireworks. Uh, this is from Timmers, who just says, always very good, Jeff. Uh, this is from Emma JB. So glad I discovered Jeff's podcast. I found them all funny, interesting. All this is the kind of unequivocal praise that I need. This not-so-basic bloke balances humour, wit and intelligence in such a fine way. It is quite the rarity. Did you notice there... How the more positives the review got, the more of it I read. What well, fucking fanny I am. <laughs> you don't say. Flattery will get you everywhere. Um, this is from Tlins. Tlins. I'm imagining Tlins is an northerner. One of my faves. I love Jeff Norcott's take on stuff, despite the fact I'm a big old lefty snowflake. Well, that voice didn't fucking work all of a sudden. Balanced and funny. Good man, GN. Okay, I think I've done all of them. Thanks so much for those reviews, and I'll be back. The mate. So if you do something, look, if you've had a bit too much centre-left, next week, Simon Evans. All right, speak soon. Bye. <laughs>